Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. Hello and welcome to this month's Faith Lead Book Hub. How do we talk about God now? Evangelism in a Secular and Digital Age with authors Andrew Root and Ryan Panzer. I am your host on behalf of Faith Lead, Leanne Pomrenke. During this month on the Faith Lead blog and in the Learning Lab, we're focused on the theme, Faith and Non-Creepy Evangelism. Note the qualifier there. We are emphasizing that sharing our faith is not a role for church professionals alone, but for every Christian. Ryan serves as a learning and leadership development professional in the technology industry and as a speaker and writer on digital technology in the church. He teaches courses for Faith Lead, including hybrid ministry in a post-pandemic church, which is available on demand. Today, we are highlighting his second book, The Holy and the Hybrid, Navigating the Church's Digital Reformation. Ryan, we would be glad to hear from you how technology raises not only challenges, but opportunities for talking about our faith. Well, thanks so much for the introduction and the invitation, Leanne. Uh, Andy's newest book, uh, I've noticed, has the subtitle, Questioning Our Obsession with Work, Creativity, and Entrepreneurship. So I am here to tell you how you can work harder be more creative and hustle more as an entrepreneur when it comes to digital ministry. Uh, of course, I'm kidding. Uh, over my shoulder here, you'll see a picture of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in downtown Wapaka, Wisconsin, population 5,100. And the, the book that I just came out with starts with the story of uh, traveling uh, to, a, to a funeral service that was going to be at, at St. Mark's uh, Episcopal Church on Friday, March 13th, 2020. And as we're driving to, 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 this, to this funeral, uh, the family, our family is having conversations with the priest as to whether we should even uh, go ahead with the funeral, given that the world is, is, is closing down. And I had some conversations with the priest that Friday and Saturday about what he was planning to do the next day when parishioners wouldn't be allowed uh, up the steps of St. Mark's for the first time in the church's long history. So uh, throughout that day, day forward, I, I, I had this question of not just how we can do church online, but how can we do church online in such a way that congregations like St. Mark's can find it accessible and sustainable? Uh, what does it mean to do purposeful digital ministry? And as we look towards the, the emergence of the post-pandemic church that we're living into, how can we do hybrid ministry in a way that doesn't lead to burnout, exhaustion, and the types of despair, really, that I think Andy's work get, gets after. So uh, I want to just start by, by defining the concept of a digital reformation, which is at the, the subtitle of the book. This comes out of the work of uh, Dr. Elizabeth Drescher at Santa Clara University. And uh, Elizabeth talks about how the, the, digital, the digital reformation is a process of, of, of church revitalization. It's not about growth. It's about revitalization which is really fundamentally about access. Uh, how do we look at uh, our practices of ministry in a way that increases the access of our community members to the life of, of our faith community uh, through, through different ways of connecting, participating, being creative, and, and collaborating? 
So I, I like to preface these conversations on the, on the digital reformation by saying, this is really not about growth. This is really not about hustle or entrepreneurship. Rather, this is about practices of access that will hopefully help our community to remain vital as we, as we travel into a digital age. Now, one of the things we have to know about the digital age is we just went through a uh, very much a paradigm shift or a quantum leap in terms of our usage and engagement with digital tools. Uh, from the earliest stages of the pandemic, we saw new levels of, of digital uh, usage uh, that probably will not ever return to a, to a status quo. Um, Facebook is still seeing elevated uses, elevated levels of usage relative to February 2020, as are all of the streaming services, as are all of digital uh, video services. The New York Times has this fascinating article called The Virus Changed the Way We Internet that introduces the idea that uh, the, the start of COVID was this vast acceleration in how frequently we're using digital technology. And while there's been a little bit of ebb and flow to that, those levels have remained a fixture since the start of the pandemic. So however we start thinking about hybrid ministry, we have to realize that we're doing ministry now in a time where our levels of, of digital technology usage are higher than they've ever been before. On the one hand, that is, exciting, uh, perhaps inspiring to some church leaders. There's some data from the Barna group that was published early in the pandemic that looked at how uh, churches did experience this moment of, of really growth. You know, they, they, they use that language in, in, in these articles where uh, almost every church was doing something online and those that continued to do something online were seeing their attendance increase and they were also feeling connections to religious nuns or, or those who don't have uh, a, a religious background or denominational preference, they were feeling that, that sense of connection like they hadn't felt previously. Now, there were some visible indicators of that throughout this time. Uh, Nadia Bowles-Weber on Instagram was holding these, these advanced services where she was finding thousands of people showing up for 15 minutes to light candles and to pray on Instagram Live. And it wasn't just the Lutheran pastors slash authors, Brene Brown, the, the psychologist from Texas, was even holding church services on her Instagram profile, bringing together some 36,000 viewers for her first service, which she held on March 22nd, 2020. This was an exciting moment for those who were thinking about how are, how are we going to grow my church? How are we going to grow my ministry? Maybe digital technology is the key to unlocking church growth a key that we haven't had access to or haven't thought about using uh, in the preceding years. Unfortunately, we quickly started to realize that there were some realities of the cadence of, of, of doing church online, uh, like having a, a, a detailed worship planning session to work out what the music would look like, uh, to writing the sermon, to creating events on YouTube, to scheduling volunteers to record a service, to posting invitations to worship services, to linking to online services and newsletters so no one gets lost, to making sure that your video volunteer shows up on a Sunday to make sure they know what they're doing, to starting the service, to greeting those gathered online, to preaching the sermon, to counting the number of viewers, recording the video quality, holding a training session when it turns out that quality isn't so good, finding another volunteer for next Sunday, and repeating this process, but only for every single Sunday for the rest of your ministry career. I think it's no surprise then that when the Barna Group tells us that there are a record number of pastors considering leaving the ministry, that these numbers come to us at a time where we're hustling into the digital age, 
like never before, where we see some of the potential for growth and revitalization, yet we don't really know how to do this sustainably or purposefully. And as a result, we tend to get burnt out, even perhaps a little bit jaded about this conversation. Right now, we're, we're looking at uh, a reality where uh, 42% of pastors tell the Barna Group they're considering leaving the full-time ministry. And of that 42%, actually less than half say that it's because of political divisions or, 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 or political challenges. Uh, so often there's this, there's this narrative, and it's true to an extent, that the, the thing forcing clergy out of the pulpit is, is politics. The New York Times had a great episode of the Daily Podcast two weeks ago where they talked about this. But, but fewer than half of those who are thinking about quitting actually cite politics as the number one reason why. Uh, most of them talk about stress as the leading reason why. So however we talk about digital ministry, however we talk about hybrid ministry in a post-pandemic church, we have to think about it in a way that will be accessible for St. Mark's Episcopal Church behind me, in a way that won't add stress to already overburdened pastors, and in a way that looks at revitalization, but, but not the growth that our culture is so enamored with. Compounding the challenges, uh, Pew Research published some data very early on in the pandemic about what was going to happen when it was safe to re-enter the building. And this should have been a, a, a red flag to, to all of us at the time. I think it was buried deep in a research report, so not many people actually saw this. But if you look at this data, what it looks at is how many U.S. adults who are active churchgoers will continue to worship online as frequently as they, as they did during the pandemic once the pandemic was over. In other words, would people continue worshiping online when it was safe to re-enter the sanctuary? And Pew surveys found that only 13% of active U.S. churchgoers, or about one in 10, were going to continue actively worshiping online. Now, this is a distressing finding because if this is true, and this is surveyed out and out from, from two years ago, but if this is indeed true, it, it tells us that we probably don't have many active churchgoers in our congregation who are still online entirely. Most of our active churchgoers have probably made their way back to the buildings at this point. And if there are active churchgoers who are exclusively online, it's maybe about 10% of, of our congregation. Yeah, the fact is, uh, there's been an 18% decline in American church attendance since the start of the pandemic. And what you find amidst this, amidst this decline in church attendance is also a trend of church for Netflix or Netflix for church, if you can call it, call it that, where a lot of churchgoers are starting to go to churches other than their own online. Um, the, the Barna Group had some data about how most active churchgoers are looking at two or more online services uh, when, they, when they attend church on the web, and that most Christians have attended church at a congregation other than their own since the start of the pandemic. Not only is this compounding the work we have to do and adding to our plates, but it's also taking a toll of those in our community who are finding themselves, uh, if worshiping online, uh, hopping from one church to another, not necessarily loyal to a single congregation. You notice that you have 19 folks joining for worship online on YouTube every Sunday. Uh, that might be very well be a different set of 19 folks each week, and perhaps many of those 19 
have never been in the door of, of your church before. Uh, perhaps going back to some of what Andy said, it's this environment of, of smoothness that they're, they're, that they're seeking, which is causing them to be a little bit dissatisfied with what they're finding from church online, leading them to shop around. And that's why when I get into hybrid ministry and what hybrid ministry is all about in the book, uh, I'm trying to refute the point that hybrid ministry is not about adding the online to the offline. If we simply look to add the online to the offline, all we're doing is setting our leadership up for burnout and, and, and uh, disillusionment and reaching a slice of the congregation that um, is probably shopping around anyway and isn't likely to be an active part of showing up and waiting for God to, uh, to, to show up in, 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 our, in, our, in our churches. So hybrid ministry then isn't about online plus offline. We're not simply trying to take a Zoom call and layer it onto everything that's happening in our life together. Rather, I think a better way to think about hybrid ministry is the combination of using digital tools to reach out and extend an invitation to the life of community where we can show up and use those practices and that language that Andy talks about to wait for God to show up. We use the digital tools to do the things that invite. And we use our in-person gatherings to do the work of equipping people for, for Christian ministry, for equipping people to share their faith, to express what it's like when God shows up in, in, in their world. And if we think about using our online tools to invite and our in-person gatherings to equip, maybe it gives us a better capacity uh, for saying no to what doesn't make sense when it comes to the digital. Because when it comes to the digital, there's always more that you can be doing. You can always be creating more digital video assets, recording more podcasts, adding more service streams. There's always one more thing on your to-do list. So perhaps the most skilled digital ministers will simply be those who are the best at saying no to new ideas that don't make sense in their congregation. Now, uh, when we think about hybrid ministry, both what we thought it would be a year for a year ago and what we think about it today, I think it's helpful to draw a line between uh, entrepreneurial models of, of hybrid ministry or those that are, are focused on growth and hustle and busyness and sustainable models of, of hybrid ministry that make this uh, attainable for St. Mark's Episcopal Church over my shoulder. And just to give you a, a few concrete examples of what this could and does look like, uh, you, when you talk about to the churches who are really trying to hustle their way through this, uh, they're looking at doing some aspect of live streaming for everything in that church's life together, all of their worship services, all of their confirmation classes, everything's going to be a live stream. Those that are thinking about how to make this sustainable are thinking about a few different models. Uh, maybe it's streaming worship services on Zoom and opening opportunities for digital participation. So you can have uh, lay, re lay readers or even discussion questions after the service. Maybe they're thinking about it doing a digital only worship because they've realized that the six minutes you spend uh, distributing communion doesn't really work in an offline, in an online setting. Or, and this, uh, this is the experiment I'm currently invested in, Maybe they're simply looking at, at, at hybrid worship as creating digital content to introduce new lenses on the preaching and prayer themes from, from that, that Sunday. Uh, this is work that I'm working on with the, the staff at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church here, here in Madison, 
uh, we, we've just started a process of thinking about what would it look like to create uh, very small digital assets, digital content pieces that uh, create new lenses on questions we're asking from the pulpit and during the prayers on Sunday to guide people deeper into their explorations around these topics. I'll just say a couple of, uh, of things then about, um, about content and communications, because this is uh, typically where the objection comes up. I just don't have time to create all of that content. I'm a staff of one, I'm a staff of two. How do I actually make that work? Really, I think the difference here between the, the, the hustlers and those who are doing this sustainably is the difference between creating and curating content. Churches that are in the business of, of creating content see themselves as having to uh, build new assets for each week of their life together. Those who are interested in, in doing this sustainably are thinking about curation, taking excellent sources that they're finding from across the web and pulling those into their digital forms of community maybe a Facebook group, maybe a WhatsApp thread. Or uh, they're looking at the content that they're already building every Sunday, which is, your, which is your sermon, and thinking about how that lends itself to digital assets, uh, to, to, to quotes that can be posted to social media, to video snippets that can be sent out through the newsletter. Jim Keat, who I'm uh, a big fan of, he, he's the digital minister at the Riverside Church in New York, and perhaps the original thought leader when it comes to digital ministry, says that your sermon is your best curation source. And churches who are doing this thoughtfully are looking at their sermon texts as the source material from which content is curated later in the week. Uh, I'll just say a couple of, of closing words and then I wanna make sure we have uh, plenty of time for, for questions. Uh, some congregations are starting to think about what are the practices, what are the frameworks for having conversations to get at the uh, answer to the question, what does it look like to do this sustainably? And, and here I recommend the framework of, of design thinking. Uh, design thinking is a, is a process that a group or a community can engage together that, that looks at asking a, a rather difficult question, uh, ideating or brainstorming, creating prototypes, and then putting those prototypes into a test. Uh, it's difficult to exactly name what the contours or what the, what the shape of hybrid church community is. And uh, this is an opportunity for churches to get together in design thinking groups and to think about uh, how can we do some brainstorming to, to, to name what we want that community to be. Uh, do we want to build a bridge in worship service? Do we want to have educational content that's digital? How exactly are we going to go about that? And if you want to learn more about design thinking, what I would refer to, what I would refer you to is a resource called IDEO. I D E O. Uh, they're a design think. They're a design firm in in California, and they've helped innumerable groups across all different types of industries and organization types to apply the practices of design thinking, the iterative five-step approach to solving difficult problems, uh, to to the challenges facing their organizations. I won't get into too many of the details of design thinking, just noting uh, where we're at with time. Uh, but I did want to share one other resource with you today, uh, which is the, the uh, Virginia Theological Seminary Digital Literacy for Ministry Toolkit. Uh, kind of a mouthful to say, but it's a really great resource. Uh, a few years ago, Virginia Theological Seminary convened a group of, of professors and, and uh, digital ministers, and they thought about what are the practices that really lead to wise digital ministry. Uh, they weren't looking at how we use this as a growth tactic or a way to 
use digital to engage a, um, a digital culture. They were simply thinking about how do we be faithful to uh, our, our traditions while also exploring new spaces. They created this toolkit in, in, uh, in response to, to those questions. And what I like about this toolkit is it's all about how to do this work in a way that's spiritually wise. Uh, to do the work of experimentation while also having a, a posture of, of humility and a, a mindset that we can't do it all. So if you're looking for a single resource to uh, send you on your way today, uh, either IDEO's Design Thinking Work or the Virginia Theological Seminary Digital Literacy for Ministry Toolkit would be a great place to go as you continue this exploration. I was taken at the beginning of your presentation where you, you talked about access and uh, the, the kind of driving good, the, the kind of moral horizon for you is, is this sense of access. Can you unpack that a little bit more? And, and you know, how, do you, how do you kind of put some, some uh, theological uh, flesh on, on access? How do you think of that maybe biblically or, or within the theological tradition? Yeah, yeah, great question, because it's not just about expanding our access to the point where we're, our numbers grew up or, or our attendance increases. So when I think about access, uh, some of you maybe have heard me talk about my 83-year-old grandmother who uh, spent her last few years at a retirement community in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, she was actually a member of St. Mark's. And uh, I think about how it was such a, a source of joy for her to be connected to this church community her whole life. And yet when she moved to the retirement community, uh, she felt herself disconnected. And this was somebody who had an Instagram account who would uh, text message with her grandkids and was an avid user of uh, Beats Bluetooth uh, uh, speakers. So she was quite a digital savvy grandma for somebody who was 83 years old. And the question I continue to go back to, because it was actually, it was her funeral we were going to on March 13th, is how, how much would she have gained from being a participant in the life of St. Mark's in her last three years had all of this digital ministry infrastructure existed at, at, at the time. So thinking about access, I'm not just thinking about you know, reaching out to influencers or uh, trendy people on social media who will help us to grow our numbers, but the very real people who want to be part of this community to see how God shows up in our lives we're asking for this and what, what, what's the way we can build just enough infrastructure to, to make that happen? In, in terms of, in terms of a, a theological lens, I, I think I would try to build off your work here by, by thinking about if we believe that God can show up in digital spaces, and maybe we have to unpack that question first, but if we believe that God can show up in digital community, uh, what's the way we can give access to the right forms of digital community? in order for us to, to realize when God shows up. And this is why so much of what uh, the church does online um, can be problematic because it's not about experiencing where God shows up. It's about boosting our views, getting more likes and trying to trigger those dopamine hits. So uh, I think we have to maybe unpack that question first about can God show up in digital community because if you answer that question, yes, then then the answer is, uh, then you have to next think, well, how do I how do I go about that? And and those are the questions I try to engage through through the book. 